0: Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Selling a piece of jewelry like an engagement ring or wedding set can be a nightmare, but Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to work with you and for you to get the best deal on your piece. And if you're thinking it's not worth the hassle... Remember that your diamond engagement ring can be the financial asset that allows you to embrace that fresh start after divorce. Worthy helps you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get a $100 gift card when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker and I'm your host. For this episode, we're talking about the good enough marriage and how to know whether you should stay or leave. There are absolutely situations where ending a marriage is a very clear decision or where the decision has been made for you. But what about when you feel that your marriage isn't awful? but it's also not great. How do you decide when or if you should end the marriage? Joining us today is Karen Covey. Karen describes herself as a divorce coach and a recovering divorce attorney. These days, Karen spends most of her time working with people all over the world as a divorce coach and consultant. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm I'm so glad we're talking. I wanted to start by just talking about what we mean by good enough marriage. Over the years, I've spoken to lots of men and women who seem to have this mental list of when it's okay to divorce. And if their situation is in this mental list, they think that somehow they have permission or that it's okay to go ahead and end their marriage. But if their situation isn't on the mental list, then there's a whole lot of anguish that comes with like, well, it, it's just not that great and I, I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied, but they feel compelled to stay in the relationship because it's not bad enough. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a big difference between being good enough
1: and being bad enough, being good enough to stay or bad enough to leave. And the main difference is it's two entirely different mindsets, Right. In the bad enough to leave category, people have what you what you have referred to as a list of, okay, you know, if this and this and this and this and this happens, then I'm definitely out. The problem with good enough and bad enough is that. Things change from day to day. So one day a person is determined, okay, I've checked all the boxes. This is horrible. I've got to leave. And the next morning they wake up, they look at their kids and they're like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Or their spouse does something a little bit nicer to them or for them. And they're like, oh, well, maybe it's not. Bad enough to leave, right? And so you go on this roller coaster of yes, no, yes, no. And the same thing is true with the good—is the marriage good enough to stay? Because we're all sold this ideal of you know, marriage is happily ever after. It's Disney. It's people walk you know happily into the sunset, and the you know at the end of the romantic comedy and the credits roll, and life is beautiful. But you never see what happens after that, right? They they never tell you what happens ten years down down the road to Harry and Sally, right? So an idea of is it good enough to stay is really, it's very personal and it depends on you, but you've got to get, number one, a clear vision of what you believe in order to know, is this good
0: enough or bad enough? So that kind of touches on where I'm thinking that we tend to compare our relationship to what we see others' relationships are and what we see on Facebook and what we see on TV. But oh and <laughs> I always like to say, but you know, that's the, that's the outside. There are only two people that really know what's going on in a marriage because everybody else sees this public facade. So trying to compare what we have to what our friends go through, unless you're privy to what's going on the inside is, is not a true, that's not a really great way of evaluating This question of whether you should stay or go. I can tell you from having
1: worked with divorcing people for nearly 30 years now, I can tell you with 100% certainty that you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in any marriage other than your own. Like, you just don't know, and you would be really surprised at some of the things you see because I've got stories that, like, I I could keep us here for hours, right? (laughs) Um, So, To compare yourself to someone else, that's a recipe for failure. That's the way to make yourself feel really bad. And the only thing that accomplishes is making you feel really bad and it doesn't change anything, right? If you want to change your marriage, if you're not happy with your marriage, then you need to start working on the inside,
0: not looking at the outside because that's only gonna make you miserable. Do you think people feel guilty about, not being happy in their marriage. Absolutely. They feel guilty because they think that
1: marriage is forever and they're supposed to be happy, right? It's, it's they, they should be happy, right? People should all over themselves in a marriage. It's like, no, I should be happy. I should be this. I should be grateful. I should, that's all great, but that doesn't help you and it doesn't change the situation. So step number one is getting very, very clear on what do you want? what do you want in a marriage? What do you want for your life? What does that look like? Right? And once you have your own idea of what you want, then you can start working to create it. And it doesn't matter whether somebody else, what they have or they don't have, you're not looking outside of yourself when you're happy with what you have in your own
0: marriage or in your own life. But it's less about thinking about what you don't like about your marriage and thinking about what is it that would make this intimate, what is it that I want from this intimate relationship and intimate relationship? Starting off with that, and then maybe you can assess whether that's possible in your current relationship. Absolutely. It's got to be, and
1: we think we know what we want, but if you ask most people on the street, what do you want? Probably 90% of them won't be able to tell you, or they'll say something like, I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. Well, that's beautiful, but what does that mean, right? Because what's happy, what makes you happy, might not make me happy. And we have very different concepts of that. And until you start exploring what do you really want and getting granular about it, like getting specific about yes, this is what a happy marriage means to me. This is what a good life means to me. This is what a good marriage means to me. And then saying, okay. What can I do to bring that about? Not how can I change my spouse? What right. can I do to make this happen? And then look at if you're doing everything you can do to make your marriage what you want it to be, and it's not working, and it's just, it doesn't look like it's ever going to work, then you have a decision to make.
0: Right. So, another reason I find that people talk about is that it's kind of a a stock market analogy. You have an investment that's underperforming. It's not doing very well, but you've held it a long time. So there's always, if you sell it now, then there's a, a big loss of money. But if you stay invested, there's a possibility that it might get better. And I think that I've come across people who, who think that way, like we've been married for 18 years, we've been married for 20 years, or, you know, I've known him since high school, you know, maybe it'll get better. Yeah, maybe it will.
1: But normally, human behavior is consistent and your relationship isn't going to change unless either something from the inside changes. In other words, you change or your spouse changes or something from the outside forces both of you to shift right just going along day to day with everything being the same and hoping that your marriage is going to suddenly become what you want it to be is what i call magical thinking you know it's it's a beaut- it's a beautiful idea but it doesn't happen. If you want your marriage to be something different, you have to do something different, right? Or you have to become someone different yourself. And then that provides the impetus for change.
0: Right. And I think with this question about, you know, staying in a a long-duration marriage, there's that, going back to some of your earlier comments, that's what we portray in in our society, that a good marriage is one that has lasted a long time, that we marry until we die. But that doesn't convey anything about quality. But there's this emphasis on the duration of the relationship that I think makes it a harder decision to leave. And I I think you've referred to it as an aversion to loss. Yeah, there's There is such a thing as loss aversion.
1: It's what makes Las Vegas run. Studies have shown that people will work harder and hang on longer to avoid losing something that they have than they will to get something that they want but don't have, right? So people don't want to give up the safety and security of a marriage, even if it's not the relationship that they want, because of fear of the unknown. If I give this up, well, then what? Will I be alone all my life? Or what if I, oh my goodness, what if I give up this and I get something worse, right? And it's that loss aversion, that fear that keeps us stuck. But loss aversion is your way, your brain's way of keeping you safe. Your brain is a million-year-old, you know, it's, it's been evolving over millions of years or hundreds of thousands. I'm not sure how old the earth really is. But the bottom line is your, your brain is evolved to keep you safe, not to make you happy. So if you want to be happy, you have to decide that that's the direction you want to go and you're willing to leave safety to pursue happiness. In other words, you're willing to risk
0: losing what you have to get what you really want. But that doesn't mean that being happy is being unsafe. What it means is that you have to go through this whole period of uncertainty and unknowns. It's, so it's like giving up that the certainty or the knowledge. You get comfortable that the bills are being paid every month and you're comfortable with the house that you're living in and the whole routine and the routine with the children. And going through divorce really means all of that has to go through a change. And Absol- that's absolutely. very unsettling.
1: And, you know, when I say safety, it's like that's that's sort of the brain's interpretation of it. But what is really happening? You're very right. It's not like you're unsafe, like somebody is going to hold a gun to your head. Not at all. But that's what your brain perceives the uncertainty as because the future is unknown. And when you go through a divorce, so many areas of your life pretty much every area of your life is going to change. You don't know how it's going to to turn out. And so that triggers that feeling of fear inside of you that you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I think it was, I I can't remember who said it, but somebody smart who said, everything you want is on the other side of your fear. Right. And so, and, and that doesn't mean that you have to get a divorce, mind you, but you have to have, the ability to say to yourself and at some point, probably your spouse, this isn't what I want. Can we work to change this? Can we work to make this marriage better? And the answer to that may be yes, but you know, we get into patterns and habits and we just think this is the way it is and there's nothing I can do about it. So we stop trying. It's like the, the story they tell of when they're training an elephant, you know, not to leave the circus. And they, at first the baby elephant, they tie it with a big chain on its leg. Right. And it pulls and it pulls and it pulls and it can't get away. And then eventually it stops trying because it knows that it can't. And at that point they can use a tiny little rope to hold the elephant that the elephant could pull up in a second. But the
0: elephant doesn't try anymore, so it doesn't know that it can't. (laughs) I've not heard that story before. That's lovely. I wanted to ask you about what's your favorite strategy or guidance for people to help them overcome some of that fear and to start maybe visualizing what their life might be like if they ended their marriage?
1: A lot of dealing with fear comes from gathering knowledge not just information, but knowledge. People have all kinds of crazy ideas about what will happen if they get a divorce, right? It's the fear of the unknown. And I think it was was Mark Twain who said something, and I'm gonna get the quote kind of sort of right, maybe not 100%, but he he said something like, I've been afraid of a lot of bad things in my life, most of which have never happened, right? Because in our imagination, we make things like be so terrible that we're afraid to deal with it. But when you start understanding and learning, okay, if I were to do this, whether it's, get a divorce or work on my marriage or do anything else, right? What would that look like? What steps do I have to take? What am I really facing? How does, in in terms of divorce, how does the system work? If I were to divorce, what could I or couldn't I get? What is realistic? And for that, you get expert guidance, someone who understands the system, who can let you know what it is. And then that starts to tame the demons because they're like, oh, that's how it really works. Okay, well, I thought it was something totally different, right? And sometimes sometimes it is bad, but at least now you know what you're really dealing with it, and then you can start to put into place strategies and tools that can help you cope with whatever the thing is that you're going to have to face, rather than just sitting back in your imagination and thinking, oh, this is going to be horrible. I can never do this, Right.
0: Right. And I always like to tell people, I find like sometimes, you know, people will call me for a consult and I know that that is a huge hurdle and obstacle that they've overcome. And I like to reassure them that if we're talking about me helping you figure out your finances or understanding what, you know, divorce mediation might look like, it doesn't mean that you've made the decision to end your marriage. It's simply you're gathering information because then with that information, you can make an informed decision. You're 100% right, but it's hard because
1: you don't feel that way. You feel like just consulting with any divorce professional, whether that's a financial professional, a mediator, a lawyer, or a coach,
0: it feels like a betrayal. Yes, yes. Karen, we're going to take a short break here. Listeners, my guest is divorce consultant Karen Covey. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back. And do stay tuned because Karen has more great wisdom to share about deciding to leave your marriage. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your rings from dusty relics of hard times to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, partner with Worthy. We're ready when you are. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. And in this episode, we're talking about the good enough marriage and how to know when to leave and when to stay. My guest today is divorce consultant, Karen Covey. Karen, I want to jump a little bit here or go back to the topic of money. And some people decide to stay in their marriage for financial reasons or are afraid to leave for financial reasons. What is it that you say to them? Is it bad to stay in a marriage for financial reasons? you know, what I'd say to them is that it's time to take the judgment off of that.
1: It is neither good nor bad. It just is. And it's about dealing with reality as it exists for you. And again, going back to what we were talking about before, knowing what you want. We in our society today have all been taught or told or believe, most people believe that marriage is forever. It's happily ever after. You know, you're supposed to marry for love, not money. Right. That wasn't always the case. You know, 200 years ago, marrying for money was a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Staying married because your husband was a good provider and not beating you and not an alcoholic. You
0: were set. Right. Right. And you can watch Bridgerton on Netflix to get the flavor of that whole what marriage used to be and how it happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, marriage didn't marriage in the past, marriage has evolved. And there's a a, there's a book called The History of Marriage. And I can't remember who wrote it, but it's a very, it's a very enlightening book because the we think that marriage has always been the way it is now, and that is not true, right? So if you're thinking about divorcing, and I see this in my clients, especially those who are boomers or, you know, Gen Xers, people who are starting to get get up in life and maybe don't, you know, their marriage isn't what they want it to be. And they're saying, Oh my goodness, do I have enough money to divorce? And is it wrong to stay just because I don't have enough money? We don't have enough money to live separately. And it's not, again, it's not about right or wrong, right? If getting divorced means you're going to be sitting on a street corner somewhere, homeless, eating cat food for dinner, you know, 10 years from now, then, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea, right? You got to have a plan in place, a solid financial plan for how this is going to go and how you're going to support yourself moving forward if you do get a divorce. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that we all need money to live at the same time do you want to stay married just for money some people do it's either money or status you know it's not that they would be destitute if they got a divorce but they wouldn't have the lifestyle that they right. have now they wouldn't have the you know the the status the things and if you're okay with that if you know again what's your vision of life what do you want and that's what you want and it matters to you then why should it make a difference that that's why you're staying married, if you're okay with it. The problem is most of us lie to ourselves. Most of us say, yeah, I can be okay with that, but you're really not. You know, you really think of yourself as selling out or being a bad person, or it's not fair. Um, And then that's where you've got that inner conflict and that's where you end up with problems.
0: Right. And I think sometimes like deciding to stay because of financial reasons seems like it's superficial or you're superficial, but I like what you say about this, you know, just, there's no judgment there. You have to make a realistic assessment. And it's a fallacy, absolute fallacy to think that you'll both be able to maintain the same lifestyle after divorce because just simple economics costs two people more to live apart than it does to live together. I mean,
1: unless you're a multi-billionaire and then I I suppose it it doesn't matter, but for
0: most (laughs) of us, it makes a big difference, you know? So, I want to pick up on something else you said when we're talking about finances, and and that is timing. And I think sometimes the question about staying in the marriage is about timing. Maybe Mm -hmm. your youngest child will be graduating high school next year, and it Mm -hmm. seems you could avoid a lot of disruption by staying for another year. And maybe you're helping take care of an elderly parent. And you just don't have the capacity to take on this monumental, and it is monumental, it's extremely time-consuming, task. And what do you say to people who, who really are facing a timing decision?
1: I think you've touched on a really, really important point, and that's the idea of capacity, right? We all have a certain amount of emotional, financial physical capacity. You can only do as much as you can do, right? There's only 24 hours in a yes. day and you, you've you got to sleep a few of them, right? So if you're at your capacity because you've got a sick child or an elderly parent or someone, you know, a child that needs special attention, or there's something else blowing up at your office or work or what have you, and you don't have the time right now to also add a divorce into this because getting divorce is like getting a second full-time job, right? Right. If you don't have the capacity to handle it all right now, it's honoring yourself to say, I can't do everything. I'm not going to move forward with the divorce right now. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't steal away some extra time, even in a busy schedule to say, okay, what do I want? What does this look like? What has to happen? What has to get put in place in order for me to be able to move forward? towards a divorce, right? So you don't have to be a victim or completely disempowered simply because now might not be the right time for you to move forward with a divorce. But if you know what, if you can get clear in what your decision is and what you have to do before it will be the right time and poise yourself to be ready to jump on that opportunity if it presents itself, that puts you in an entirely different headspace.
0: Right. I remember... In the very early days of my blog, I interviewed a lady who said that she knew that she would never be able to ask for maintenance from her husband, knew that if she tried, it would just lead to such a contentious court battle that she couldn't face that. And so she knew that she went back to work and she started off part-time because their child was quite young. And then over the course of a number of years, she worked into a full-time position where she was being compensated enough that she could support herself. And that took five years. And at that Mm -hmm. time, then she told her husband that the marriage was over and she couldn't stay married any longer. Exactly
1: i mean we are so used to in our culture having instant gratification right the notification bell rings on your phone and you're checking your email and you're checking your phone and you're checking your text and everything happens so much in the moment now but we've forgotten that there's a concept of delayed gratification and if you want something and it means enough to you sometimes you have to put off the actual act of doing something like leaving your marriage or saying i want a divorce but by putting yourself in the right Positioned where you can make that happen, you are doing something every day. That woman was doing something every day to move her closer toward her goal, and what she did was brilliant because she understood who she was and who her husband was and what she had to do to make this work in the way she wanted. That was
0: brilliant. And I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do because it's very difficult to stay living under the same roof as spouses when, you know, essentially you've got one foot out the door. Very much. It is
1: very hard to do, but that's why it starts with being clear on what you want. If you know what you want and why you want it, you can do anything.
0: You can make anything work or not work in the way that you need to, to get to your goal. And on some of these situations, such as waiting to your children graduate high school or taking care of a an elderly parent, you could actually sit down with your spouse and have a conversation and say that we both know that the marriage isn't working, but can we agree to be civil and respectful and live under the same roof for the next year and then deal with the marriage? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because there is a thing
1: now that's happening and it's called a parenting marriage, right? Which is exactly what you said. The two parents get together and they're like, hey... Our marriage isn't working, but we know if we get divorced, it'll have an impact on our children. So they reconfigure the rules of their marriage and they say, "Okay, we're going to stay married and we're going to continue to parent our children in this way. We will live in the house or or they do a bird nesting arrangement where one lives in the the house, the other one leaves and they, they shift off. But they are very clear, both of them, that this marriage is about the children That's their sole goal. And when the children, then when the youngest reaches 18 or whenever, you know, or goes to college or whatever their criteria is, when that happens, that's when they'll divorce. But in the meantime, they have to live together and they want to do the best for their kids. And so they make a parenting marriage.
0: And maybe that takes us kind of full circle back to what marriages were 200 years ago. (laughs) In a way. Yeah, I I think you're right.
1: I mean, that's the thing. We think marriage is one thing. We have a very narrow idea of what it is. But really, if you're willing to open your belief system up a little bit, it can be a lot of different things. There are people now that have open marriages. There are people that have the parenting marriages. There are people who everybody knows they're only staying married for the money or the lifestyle that they can have together. And they're good with that. And if you're good with it, and especially if you're honest with yourself and your spouse, and you're both good with whatever rules you create for your marriage,
0: then your marriage is more than good enough. It's exactly what you need. So I think my big takeaway from our conversation, Karen, is that deciding whether to end your marriage is a personal decision. And it's one, it's entirely up to you. And certainly you shouldn't allow yourself to feel judged by other people. And not only that, you shouldn't judge yourself
1: Uh, because we're our biggest critic always. Right. And so if you're good with what you're doing and you know your reason why and you accept yourself for who you are, you're farther ahead than most of the population.
0: Karen, that is such a wise tip to leave us with about not judging yourself for this. I I love that. And I'm so glad you mentioned that for our listeners. Thank you.
1: Every now and then something comes from, I don't know, into my head from heaven.
0: Well, that's such an important thing to to remind us all about being kind to ourselves during this difficult time. So. I mean, especially when you're
1: going through a divorce, you've got enough coming at you and enough people picking on you. You do not
0: need to join the party,
1: right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Karen. You know, we're right up on time. So I want to thank you again for sharing your wealth of wisdom with us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mandy. Listeners, my guest today was divorce consultant Karen Covey. Karen's website is karencovey.com. That'll be in the show notes. She has an awesome blog with lots of great topics and fabulous resources. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is a selling partner with an online auction platform designed to help you sell your jewelry, such as an engagement ring or wedding set. When you decide to send your ring, Worthy takes care of the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely at our New York office. Once your jewelry arrives, the team at Worthy professionally cleans and photographs it before sending it out to a grading lab. All of these steps are designed to maximize your price in Worthy's online auction, where hundreds of buyers compete for your piece. One of the best parts of selling with Worthy is that you're completely in control. You'll work with Worthy's team to set a reserve price before the auction starts, keeping you in control of how much your ring sells for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, We will send your ring back to you and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to Worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you. So reach out to us at podcast@worthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. We look forward to hearing from you. And you can also find more episodes at worthy.com forward slash podcast.